Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, whenever you guys are listening. Welcome to Dog Talk with Holden. Hope everybody's doing good this evening. I've uh, been looking forward to catching up with you guys. I know we've got a lot of stuff that's uh, been going on pretty much since the last time I talked to you guys last week. So we're basically going to jump right into uh, all of that. A few of the things that we're going to go through, some of the media days coverage from last week. Obviously, Georgia was on the board on Tuesday when Kirby Smart, JT Daniels, and Jordan Davis joined SEC Media Days there at Hoover, Alabama. We're going to talk a little bit about that, not too much. Kind of get to who I believe is going to be the key players on offense and defense to watch uh, there for Georgia, obviously. Talk a little bit about the preseason All-SEC team that came out, uh, first, second, and third teams that, that are there. Kind of what we expect for this season. A couple of other questions. Um getting down to some of the most exciting games of this season. Uh, and we've also obviously got to talk a little bit about the possibility of Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC. So, uh, first of all, let's get down to, to brass tacks with it. Twitter, at DogTalk20 on Twitter. You guys go follow me there uh, if you guys feel inclined to. Um, y'all make sure if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'm not sure how it works as far as Spotify, iHeart, or anything like that goes. But if you have the op- the ability and the option to be able to rate and review that, go ahead, give it give it five stars if you feel like it, uh, and give a review on there again. All that does is help to boost the podcast and allow it to uh, not necessarily jump up in the rankings, I don't guess, but kind of just puts it out there more, and, and, and it's more visible when more people are listening, rating it, and reviewing it. Also, support, uh, I'll have the support tab, uh, in, or the link, I guess, in the description of the podcast uh, once it gets done, where you guys, if you feel like supporting this podcast, you can. I think it gives you the option when you go to it uh, to give a couple dollars every month or what have you. So if you guys feel inclined to do that, that'd be awesome. I sure would appreciate it. Uh, if not, hey, I can understand that too. No big deal. But I sure do appreciate everybody, again, being here listening, uh, whatever time or whenever you're able to listen to it. Again, sure to appreciate it. So let's jump right into it. All right, starting it off with Media Day's coverage. Uh, Again, like I said before, Georgia was on the docket Tuesday morning with Kirby Smart coming in. Talked a little bit about Quavo uh, and and Quavo coming and talking to the team and uh, pretty much just telling them again, talking about the NIL that Georgia and the rest of the country will now have to kind of compete with. Uh, Quavo just wanted to make a point that, hey, you know, you guys need to pay attention, first of all, what it is that you guys are doing if you do decide to do this and and uh, also keep your head in the game as far as you still got football to play. So don't let the NIL take away the focus from what the main objective is, which is to come in, play and win football games and get yourself to a championship, which is what we're hoping to do. Uh, Jordan Davis, when he got on the stand, he kind of uh, made a little jab, I guess you'd say there, at Kirby saying, I don't think that Kirby really even knows any of Quavo's music or could name a song. That's that's up for, not really up for discussion. I mean, it is what it is, one way or another. I think uh, Kirby was saying, or, or maybe it was Jordan one, was saying that they had kind of become friends back in the national championship run from the 2017 season which I guess was 2018 national championship Uh, so nonetheless kind of doesn't really matter but from listening to what everybody was talking about between the two players JT Daniels he seemed extremely extremely focused uh, and kind of prepared for the moment kind of getting ready for the season so that's always good to hear good to hear that 
uh, Kirby talking about him as well, that that knee has, has healed up fairly well, and, and he's actually able to get a little bit mobile on it as they go through. Obviously went through spring camp and uh, kind of getting prepared for opening up camp here for the fall, I guess really in just a week or so because we're, we're not far off, just a few weeks before the start of the season there on September 4th. Um, and, and obviously uh, Jordan Davis being up there too, uh, talking a little bit about it. Everybody listening to both of the guys and obviously Kirby, which Kirby's going to give you that coach talk, everybody seems really prepared and engaged and, and in that stand and, and stance getting prepared for the season, which is always good to hear. Um, obviously, they're, they're off busy doing the media side of things uh, there at Hoover, but talking about the, the rest of the team still being back, doing workouts, getting everything prepared for the season. So I'm extremely excited about that. I know everybody is. We're not far from it. Uh, we're moving in that direction to be getting there. One other thing I forgot to mention off the top of the uh, show, which I'll mention now, I'm going to put on my Facebook page, personal Facebook page anyways, um, I didn't make a video, but I saw a video that I really liked, and I decided to put a different soundtrack back behind it. So I'm going to post that up on the Facebook page. I'll post it up on Twitter as well. Hopefully you guys enjoy that. Uh, and if you do, just, just like it. Again, I don't, I don't have any copyrights as far as the music or the video goes. Just, just thought it was pretty cool and, uh, and wanted to do my little spin on it. So uh, let's keep, keep, keep things moving here. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the key players offensively and defensively to watch for Georgia this season. Offensively, one of the key guys, obviously, is going to be JT Daniels. Like I said before, Kirby Smart talking to media days. Did say it seemed like that knee's ha you know, healed up and is handling very well as they've gone through camps, and uh, he's actually able to get a little bit mobile. Now, I don't think that that means that he's going to get out there and run around like Johnny Manziel and, and light the world on fire with his feet, but he's still got that arm talent to where if he had to get out of the pocket, he should be able to still throw downfield, which is always good to hear. Um, obviously, any season with any team, injuries is something that can plague uh, that possibility at a championship run. So we're going to hope that we can limit that this season uh, and keep things moving forward. In the running back spot, obviously, a lot of people kind of forget that James Cook is still here. Um, so I, I think he's going to be one of the key guys to watch out for. Obviously, we got Zamir White, uh, Zamir White still here. So he's going to be another guy. But I feel like James Cook just stands a really good chance to have, a, you know, just kind of a blow-up season this year. Him and Kendall Milton are my two guys to watch out for this season as far as running back spot goes. We're pretty loaded there. Obviously, in the quarterback position, have Brock Vandegrift uh, back there and Carson Beck as well. You, you're loaded in the quarterback spot. But as of right now, unless something happens with JT, he's our go guy. And we, we've got that arm and talent in there and uh, prepared. So, but running back-wise, James Cook, Kendall Milton, something to look forward to. I feel like James Cook here in, I believe it's his senior season, if I'm correct. I could be wrong. It may be his junior, but I feel like it's his senior year. I don't have that directly in front of me, so forgive me. But in the past, seeing just some of the things that he's done, uh, both just running the ball as well as catching the ball and, and making a big play out of something after catching the ball with his speed and with those legs, I uh, just feel like he stands a really good chance to have a big year. Kind of looking on the receiving side, wide out, as well as tight end ends. Uh, Darnell Washington on the tight end spot. I feel like we're going to find a way to, you know, use our tight ends more and actually get them more involved in the game, not just from a pass blocking scheme, but also, you know, like we started to do near the end of the season there with JT and Darnell, they started to connect a little bit. Obviously, we get a Reek Gilbert in. He's moved to the wide out spot. I think he could have a good year, but I know we've had a couple of guys come in in the past 
that really didn't span out that well. So obviously there's a lot of hype behind him. But until I actually see him playing in a game, I don't want to put too much hype behind him until we kind of see that to make sure that he's actually going to be a good fit for Georgia. So I'm going to keep him off of my list as far as who to watch. But who I'm going to put in there is a guy that started last season, lit it up, did a great job in the wideout spot, and that's Kiaris Jackson. I feel like he stands a chance to have a really good year. Obviously, Jermaine Burton came in and started to have a really good year. George Pickens, obviously being hurt, I can't put him on this list, uh, which we'll get to another list in a minute that he did find himself on, even though he will not be playing this season. Uh, if if at all, it would be later, in sometime in December, if, if we could get him back. But right now, you you can't put too many, obviously, don't put too many eggs in the basket before the hatch, or whatever the saying is. You, you guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> so... Uh, but Kiaris Jackson in the wideout spot, he's going to be my guy that I want to watch out for. Um, again, I can mention some of the other guys. I think, uh, uh, oh, what was his name? Broke his ankle at, in the Florida game. Rosamy. Anyways, I, th- I think he could have a really good season as well. But Kiaris is going to be my guy to look out for. On the O-line, obviously, Jamar Sawyer. He's the big guy up front. Look forward to him having a big year this year, coming back for the senior season. Uh, blocking and, and uniting that O-line to be in a, a wall for JT Daniels this season. Uh, jumping over to the defensive side of the ball, obviously let's start it right off with Jordan Davis, the big guy up front. He's the main guy as far as defensively goes on the line. I look forward to him putting a lot of pressure on offensive lines this upcoming season. Uh, I think he can wreak havoc. He can be one of those guys that you might have to put to the – whether it's on the weak side, strong side, doesn't matter. They're going to have to put an extra guy on him. And what does that usually do? Then you can bring a guy in from the middle – and, uh, and, again, just wreak havoc on that deep, on that offense from the defensive side of the ball. A couple other guys. Lewis Seen, I feel like he's going to have a really good year this year. He started to really light it up at the end of the last season. No pun intended uh, in that Florida game when, obviously, he gets ejected for, uh, for taking out tight end there for Florida. But I feel like he stands a chance to have a really good season as well. N'Kobe Dean, if he can get through the injuries that I think Kirby was talking a little bit about at Media's Days, too, he's kind of – Battling a little something here, uh, not really disclosing that. I think he had like a small, minor little surgery, uh, but seems to be ready to go for camp once the fall gets started coming up. So he's going to be another guy. And one of the other guys, again, I don't want to put a, a lot of weight into this just because I, I would rather see what happens uh, from a transfer. But Tyke Smith, I think he stands a chance to be a guy who could actually come in and be a household name really quickly here. Uh, for that Georgia defensive side of the ball. A couple of the guys preseason already getting some attention, and this is preseason all SEC teams. On the first team defensively, obviously, like we just talked about, was Jordan Davis. Uh, he makes first team, and the only other t- only other player for Georgia to make first team is on special, special teams, and that's Jake Camarda there at the punting position. Uh, second team offensively, you got JT Daniels. Zamir White, George Pickens, even though he's injured, that's what I was talking about earlier. He does make a list for preseason All-SEC second team, uh, even though he won't be playing. Uh, and then you got Jamar Salia there as well on offense. Nobody else defensively or special teams there on second team. But third team, you do look defensively. You got Trayvon Walker, Nicobe Dean, and Lewis Seen, a few of the guys that I was just talking about there. And then as a return guy on special teams, Kiaris Jackson, which I believe he can also have a really good year. As a returner, you know, that wasn't really one of the things as far as my key players offensively and defensively. I didn't really put anything special teams. But return team, he does make third team all SEC preseason. 
So another couple of guys added there as far as their list goes to be able to look out for. Now, what are we to expect Georgia in the 2021 season? This is a big question, and obviously it's up for debate, up for speculation for all of Georgia fans, all of Georgia I mean, any, anybody around Georgia, around the SEC, around the country, a lot of people have this conversation. What is there to expect? You know, when you look at some of the first team, second team, and third team preseason all-SEC teams, if you go back, I believe it's to the 2018 season, which was 2019 National Championship with Joe Burrow and LSU, there were multiple players to be on that preseason first team for, for all-SEC. Now, does that necessarily mean that that will bring a national championship or bring a championship drive to a team? Not necessarily. I'm not saying that it's dead set on that, but I do think it does speak volumes to the maybe not even the hype, but just the overall look of, hey, we kind of expect something to happen with this team this year. We're expecting these guys that we put in the first team and in the second team to be a big part, and uh, I would like to see a couple of these guys that are on second team maybe be first team and third team, maybe be second team, but it's preseason. You know, a lot can change between now and the beginning of the season. Injuries do happen, obviously, like we've seen with George Pickens uh, back in the spring. That just completely changed things offensively there, uh, for him at least. Obviously, we've luckily got a little bit more depth there at the wideout position than we had a year ago and even a year before that, but – Still, that's it's just something to think about, something to keep in the back of your mind, and it would be great to see some of these guys, like I said, step up and be in a bigger position. I know, looking at a couple of other things, I mean, you got like Ole Miss, Matt, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. He's expected to be the top returning quarterback in the SEC. Now, is he a good quarterback? Absolutely. He threw for a lot of yards, threw for a lot of touchdowns, also made a lot of mistakes. Now, if he can clean up his mistakes and – continue to drive forward in the yardage and the touchdown category, he could turn out to be one of the tops. Uh, Bo Nix there at Auburn, he's bringing back a lot of experience. The thing about Bo Nix, to me at least, is I just don't feel like he's all that consistent. I feel like he has a lot of times where he's rocking and rolling and doing good, and next thing you know, he's just making a mistake that he shouldn't make, you know, especially being this deep into his tenure there at Georgia, coming into his junior season. So I feel like JT Daniels, he has the opportunity to come in and really light things up. If he can do like he was doing at the end of last season, going 4-0 when he came in as the starter there at the end of the season, if he can pick up where he left off and continue to improve, then I think JT stands a good chance to be in a good spot and put George in a good spot. Obviously, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot to be seen between now and then. We have plenty of time. We've still got a whole other month before we get into what would technically be week zero of football, which Georgia wouldn't be playing in. They'd be playing that following week. But still something to kind of look at. So that's that's a couple of the questions that are up in the air, uh, which we will get to. Um, so maybe don't put too much into that as far as the, the preseason all-SEC teams, but just a little bit of a takeaway there. You know, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe Georgia is starting to be kind of on that back burner of people's mind, knowing that Georgia is still a good team. I think we're still preseason ranked at number five uh, coming into the season. So you're only one spot away from that four-team playoff. Obviously, you got the entire season to have to keep that up um, or to get back to it if you were to fumble around at some point. But nonetheless, you know, you can still drive right back into it. So 
one of the questions in what to expect, obviously, is the start of the season. You know, you're playing, you're playing Clemson. You know, can they be beat to start the season? Uh, in my opinion, again, it's just the opinion of a Georgia fan. Otherwise, why would I do this podcast? But Georgia, I think, stands a really good chance to come in and upset. And at this point, it would be an upset to Clemson because Clemson will be ranked higher, I do believe, um, once we get into the preseason or into the season. But I do think that Georgia stands a good chance. And a lot of that, I think, is some of the talk around the SEC as well is I think LSU brings back most of the same talent and, and, and maybe even like Vanderbilt who brings back the most of their team. But them at this point isn't somebody to watch. LSU could be. But Georgia, to me, brings back some of the most talent, minus George Pickens. Wide out group, you still bring back a lot of guys. Defensively, we lost a lot of guys. But Kirby has done such a great job over the years of, you know, rotating these guys in and out so much that even your second string is getting so many reps equal, almost equal to what the first string would be. So you're having a quick turnaround as far as that defense goes, even though we lost a lot. Offensively, you still lost a few uh, components there as well. But for the most part, you return 85% of your productivity from last year's offense. So offensively, I think Georgia stands a good chance. Defensively, we still have some questions to be answered, but I still think that it's strong enough. Whereas if you look at Clemson, Clemson lost a good bit defensively. Obviously, you lose Trevor Lawrence there as your quarterback. Now, a lot of people have words to say as far as, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is gone, Clemson's not going to be that good. Let me go ahead and tell you, DJ Owen Longlele, he ain't bad. If you watched him in the Notre Dame game last year where they played in the regular season, yes, Clemson lost, but the guy still got up there and stepped up in a big way in a big spot and produced and put up a lot of yardage. He made mistakes here and there too, but he still put up numbers that you would have expected probably to even see Trevor. Obviously, we think that Trevor probably would have outdone that, and in the end he did once they played again. But as far as that goes, I don't think you're going to lose – too much at the quarterback position. Now, I don't want you all going, are you kidding me? You're talking about one of the uh, number one draft pick or, or a first-round draft pick quarterback that you think this guy who didn't start over him is just going to pick right back up. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I do think that he is good enough to produce as much as Trevor Lawrence did for Clemson. Now, will he do that at the beginning of the season? I don't know. I know he's probably had a ton of work knowing that this is his position to win and to be in once Trevor left. So I don't think there's going to be too much step back as far as the quarterback position goes. I still think Clemson's offense is still going to be pretty strong, pretty powerful. Georgia's defense is going to have their first test beginning the season. So if if Georgia's defense is going to be as strong as it can be, we're going to find out pretty quickly in that first game. If Clemson's able to just drive down the field left and right on us, we're going to have trouble, and that means we've got a lot to figure out defensively. Now, if Georgia can answer that, you know, offensively, then we've also got an answer there as far as how our offense goes. If you look back last season, and if you even look back the season before that, defensively, things in the SEC are beginning to change. Offensively, you know, it used to be you could score 35 points. You could score 40 points and win a game because you could stand on your defense to keep a team below 20 points or something like that. And you could win a ball game. Now it's starting to shift to where offensively in the SEC, offense has just become so much of a firehouse and just a commodity that 
really in the SEC we haven't seen as much over the past five to ten years. Defense has been such a big game for the SEC teams that you haven't had to really worry about that offensively. Well, in the last couple of years, take Alabama and LSU two years ago when LSU wins the national championship, that's a shootout. There was no defense in that game. It's back and forth the entire game. Take last year, Alabama and Ole Miss. Hate to keep using Alabama as a, uh, a stepping stone, but they were one of the ones that had one of the top defenses in the country in the years past. Well, not that their defense is not any good because it is still a good defense, but offensively it's become such a powerhouse offense over the past couple of years that even if they don't stop a team from scoring 40, well, they're going to turn around and score 41. You know, if, if they can't stop a team from scoring 50, they're going to turn around and score 52. So their offense can match that. So if Georgia gets in a situation to start off against Clemson where defensively we can't stop them, offensively we have to be able to come up and match them and be better offensively than they are to be able to win that game. Now, again, like I said, I do believe that Georgia can win that. If Georgia was to lose the opener, it's not the end of the season. You're talking about one of the top teams in the country. You have a long time before the end of the season. The first game of the season does not mean that the playoffs are over. The first game of the season does not make the playoffs. Now, if Georgia lost to Clemson and somehow got left out of the playoffs, if they went undefeated for the rest of the season and won the SEC championship, something's wrong. That's why I 100% believe that this first game of the season will not determine the playoffs. It won't. So let's get over that to start with. First of all, we want to come into the first game, like I said, and win it. And I believe that Georgia can do that. I believe that Georgia will do that. We will get to that once time comes. We've got a lot that has to happen between now and then. And, again, I don't want to put my prediction out there too early just because we've still got enough time for stuff to happen here and there between multiple different teams. So yeah, it's just something to get to. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll save my predictions and all of that maybe for the start of the season. Maybe I'll save that for the start. All right, guys, let's jump right back into it. One of the questions that has kind of come up somewhat leaving off where we kind of left off there as what it is to expect from Georgia in 2021. Some of the questions that have come up, Kirby Smart, is it, is it time? It's, is it national championship or bust this season? You know, do you have to win a national championship for Kirby to continue to be your quarterback or your quarterback to be your your head coach there. Is it time to move on from Kirby Smart if you can't win a national championship right now? The answer to that question is no. Not many coaches have come in and done what Kirby Smart's done in his first five to six years here at Georgia. First season was not all that great. I think we went eight and five. Turn around the next season and we have a glorious season. So we do need to get to a position where we get back in the SEC championship game again. Obviously last year we had a lot of questions to answer. You started the season with a quarterback who was a walk-on. So to expect you to go as well as we did last season may have been a little too much expectation. And I think I may have put some of that on there too. You know, there were a lot of unanswered questions preseason before we got started. And when we did, we still didn't necessarily end up in a bad situation, but we still were nowhere nearly like what we should have been by the end of the season once we finally got JT Daniels in there at quarterback. So – there's still questions to be answered, but I think this season is a good one for us. It's time for us to get back to the SEC Championship. 
which, again, like I said before, I'm going to save my predictions. But I think Georgia stands a really good chance to be able to get there this year just because how things look in the SEC East as far as who our competition is going to be. That will be a question that I'm going to get to here in just a second as well. Uh, but then, then, depending on who you play in that SEC championship, depending on how the rest of your season goes, you know, you still stand a really good chance to be able to get a playoff berth there. First of all, I think we've got to get to the SEC championship. I would love to see another SEC championship win, not a tie, not a – or obviously can't tie, but not like an overtime game that you lose to Alabama again. But it's time to kind of get over that hurdle, get – into the SEC championship game, win that, and have another playoff berth. I think if you could have a season similar to 2017, I know for some people that's not enough. It's not enough to go to the SEC championship and win it. It's not enough to make the playoffs and either lose in the first round of the playoffs or make it to the national championship and lose again. For some people, it is national championship or bust. But for, in my opinion, for Kirby's sake, Kirby Smart's sake and the sake of his job security, I don't think he's on a hot seat at all. Now, if, if we were to go 8-5 and five this season, that then, again, I don't think you just get rid of Kirby Smart, but I think he finds himself in a hot seat by the end of the season. If he was to go 8-5 and five this season, some things have gone extremely wrong for the Georgia Bulldogs. And I don't, I don't plan on seeing that happen. But to answer the question of, is it national championship or bust for Kirby Smart this season? The answer is no, no. Georgia stands a really good chance to be in a good position come December 4th of this year, 2021. And from that point forward, we'll see how things look. But, no, I, I think I think Georgia's in the prime position to be able to move forward and uh, and get back to where we were just a couple of years ago pre-COVID and uh, be in that championship talk again. Again, we're in the road to the championship for the 2021 season. And speaking of that, like I was saying a minute ago, What's our competition in the East this year? What about the West as far as who we're going to play in those crossover games? As far as the East goes, again, I think a lot of the East is down this year. A couple of teams are going to be looking pretty good, and that's going to be Kentucky and Missouri. I think Kentucky and Missouri stand to make uh, a little bit of noise there in the East. Maybe not necessarily against Georgia, but I think they're going to make a little bit of noise and kind of surprise some people uh, in some of those games that they come up. Florida is always going to be the one in the East that I think we have to look to. Obviously, we can't overlook South Carolina just because the last few times we've played them, it hadn't been nearly as pretty as it should. You even take that 2017 season where we do go to the national championship, you still only beat them by two touchdowns. Now, some people would say 24-10 to is plenty. To me, that's a little tight. Obviously, the next season you lose to them when you never should have on a terrible outing there by uh, uh, Jake Fromm. Wow, about blanked on his name. But that's somebody – I don't think we're going to have to look to that much this year. Shane Beamer, first-year head coach there for South Carolina. I think he's got a lot of work to do to get South Carolina back in a position where they can fight for the SEC East. I think they're way down. Uh, Florida, obviously you're replacing Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts there at tight end position who were big. Kadarius Toney also in the wideout position as well. You're replacing so much there offensively that I don't think Florida's going to have the firepower to be able to compete for the East. Uh, matter of fact, I – I've got a feeling they'll finish second, but I don't. I wouldn't be too surprised if they finished third behind a Kentucky or Missouri who's kind of on the up and up, kind of getting things rocking and rolling there on the east side. Kentucky is my my team to watch out for there in the east uh, with Mark Stoops continuing to work there. I think he's in like his ninth season with Kentucky. So that would be who I would say we need to watch out for in the east. As far as the west goes, obviously every season is Auburn in that crossover game. 
I think that's going to be a big one that you got to watch out for. We're headed back to Jordan-Hare Stadium. So, I mean, anytime we go there, it seems like we have a lot of trouble between prayer at Jordan-Hare. You even take that 2017 National Championship season where we get the dog crap beat out of us. Yeah, Gus, we, we paid that back to you in the SEC Championship. But for whatever reason, we struggle when it goes to going to Auburn, which we have to do this year. Even though you got first-time head coach Brian Harson there, it's it, it could be a toss-up. It could be just like the Iron Bowl with Alabama and Auburn. It may it may be a lot tougher than we think. I know it's not necessarily going to be easy. Obviously, that game moves all the way back to October 9th since all the all the stuff happened um, in the past where Auburn didn't want to have to play Alabama and Georgia back to back. So that is one thing to remember. Uh, but the other team in the East, or excuse me, in the West, that I think we've got to watch out for, which is, well, I mean, the only other team we are playing from the West, but that's Arkansas. You take Arkansas last season. Granted, we opened the season with them in a in a quarterback position that we had no clue was going to turn out. We were in a shootout for the first half of that game. That game was close, and I think Sam Pittman is doing a lot of work down there at Arkansas. Obviously, he's got to figure out a quarterback position uh, before we jump into that game, and that game's going to be uh, October second. So right before you play. Uh, Auburn in this one. You kind of got back-to-back-to-back games there where you've got Arkansas, then you got Auburn, then you got Kentucky. That's another reason I think that Kentucky could be one in the East that we've got to watch out for. You got, obviously, get Arkansas to come to you, which is a good thing. Then you travel to Auburn, back home again where you get Kentucky at the house. But still something to watch out for uh, because I do think Arkansas is on the up and up. Arkansas is a team that has been really quiet in the past couple of years. They had a decent season last year. Um, and the reason I say that is because if you go from a couple of seasons before that where they're not even winning a game uh, in the SEC to they win at least three, even if they weren't necessarily the prettiest, still get a few in there. I think this year they stand a chance to get even better. I think they're going to break 500 this season and could be a team just to watch out for from the West, uh, but mainly be an Auburn there. Now, some of the talk between the East and the West, that has obviously come up, and that is Oklahoma and Texas have left the Big 12. I think reading from Monday, I believe that they went ahead and filled out all the information they've got to fill out as far as departing from the Big 12 once the 2025 season comes. Um, and they have put in, I guess, the petition to be accepted by the SEC following the 2025 season. So we could have some big, big changes coming our way uh, as far as that goes and that being because the way that I look at it and the way that even before seeing some of the graphics come out as far as how this should shift the SEC East and the West I'd already said the only thing that makes geological sense and just makes sense in general is moving Alabama and Auburn to the East and then having obviously Oklahoma and Texas that would obviously still not be right because you'd have to move Missouri as well to give that eight and eight for the 16 team conference at that point if that right there were to happen having alabama and auburn in the east to me i think then it goes to a loaded east side where you've got alabama auburn georgia florida on that east side on the west side obviously having oklahoma texas lsu uh being the main guys there texas a&m this season as well that makes it a pretty even matched up situation where in the West, obviously for I think like the last 10 years, the West has absolutely dominated the SEC in exception to 2017 uh, when Georgia did win the SEC championship 
for the East. Now, you move on and you lose in the national championship to an SEC West opponent. So, even though they didn't have to play Alabama in the uh, SEC championship game, just something to think about as far as this move and shift could come. There's going to be some complaints about the possibility of having to play Alabama every year, but one thing I look at on the bright side is you're eventually going to have to beat them anyway. So if you put them on that same side of the table as you do, you're, you stand a really good chance to actually start winning that game more often than you have in the past, um, which is a good thing. I, I, to me, I embrace that change if it's going to happen. First of all, there's nothing that you and I can do about it as far as if they do come. Now, do I think that they should come or do I want to bring them in? No, but that's just the part of me that doesn't necessarily want any change for something that seems to have been going so well for so long. Obviously, the last change we have being 2012 when we bring in Texas A&M and Missouri, that to me still wasn't that big of a change. I guess it's just a couple of them, but I guess it being Texas and Oklahoma. And one thing I've thought about is Oklahoma is one thing. They've been pretty pretty dominant in the past few years. They've made it to the playoffs, hadn't made a lot of noise in the playoffs, but they've made it to the playoffs and been a really good team. Texas, on the other hand, I don't know what it is. I just Something about Texas just kind of rubs wrong with me. As far as the team goes, the state, love it, got family there. Love to see them, love to have them. But some, something about the Texas football program just rubs a little wrong on me being in the SEC. Now, again, there's nothing that we can do about it. So bring it on if it's going to happen. To me, more than likely it's going to happen, and I also think that it's going to happen sooner than 2025. Uh, at this point, I think I was reading it's like an $80.3 million buyout for their TV programming. Uh, there for Texas and Oklahoma if they were to decide to go ahead and back out on that. So I've got a feeling it's going to be a couple of years before they do. I'm thinking maybe that 2023 season, you could see them come in in a couple of years. But I also think there's one big thing that's going to happen between now and then, one of which is obviously the expansion of playoff. I think that's on the way. Uh, I think that's probably going to end up happening by the 2023 season. That's why I think that they would probably end up being in the SEC by that time. Now, obviously the SEC has to have three-quarter of the uh, conference to be able to accept them in. That It has to be a passing or an acceptance from three-quarters of the league for them to be able to come into the SEC. Uh, when that voting will take place and when all that will happen, I'm not very sure. Obviously, we've got a lot of time between now and then before that happens as far as their agreement to the 2025 season through that with the Big 12 there. So a little bit of time. Not only do I think that things are going to change as far as the expanded playoff goes by the 2023 season, I also have a feeling that a lot of stuff is going to be happening between now and then with the NIL. Um, obviously, that right now it's kind of it, it's it's a big topic, it's a big talk. There's still a lot that has to be worked out between now and then, but I got a feeling some big stuff is going to start to roll out where some of these guys who don't really want much to do with it right now in a couple of years. There's going to be experience. There's going to be coaches and, and programs are going to have time to have kind of dealt with some of it and know how to delegate and work around situations to be able to help not only the players but incoming recruits as well, which is going to make a big difference not only in the SEC all around the country, but if you add Texas and Oklahoma into that, that's just two more programs and two pretty powerhouse programs that can do it. Some of the other conversation that I saw also come up today is with Texas and Oklahoma being additions to the SEC, at that point, the SEC alone would stand to benefit 
and generate 1.3 billion with a B, 1.3 billion dollars annually, which at that point would surpass the income that the SEC or excuse me that the NCAA creates alone. Unto which point the SEC could almost overthrow the NCAA. Now, I think that there is a lot, like I've talked about, I've already named a couple. If these two are to, to join the SEC, there's a lot that I think is going to happen with the college football expansion, a lot that's going to happen with the NIL between now and then. And you could start to turn into another conversation I've seen a lot lately are these super conferences, possibility of four 16-team conferences uh, that would align and it would make a lot of sense to me. It's, it's kind of crazy that at this point we've expanded. We're, we're in the expansion playoff talk. And part of that, I was like, yeah, well, the group of five might actually get a couple of teams in. Well, now if we were to rearrange the entire conferences and have these four super conferences kind of join and grow, then a 12-team playoff, you know, who knows? They may decide to turn it into an even bigger playoff, which I think at that point you've got to really be concerned and, and cautious of – how many games you're playing in a season, and then also understand that if you expand these playoffs, that's more games that a team and a player has to put their body through every season. These kids are going to want to do it. The coaches are not going to have a problem with doing it, but it's just something to remember moving forward. Now, the NIL may make that a lot easier because these kids are able to make money now in college to where if they're able to make money and they burn out really quickly in the NFL, hey, at least they've made some money along the way, right, in college. So, Lot to lot to talk about, a lot to get to. We've got plenty of time between now and then before we really jump into uh, some of that. So just some stuff to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Now, kind of one of the things I want to end on is just the most exciting games for Georgia this season. Most of them we've already talked about, but the first of which starts the season, obviously, Clemson there at Charlotte, playing on September 4th. Great season opener there against Clemson. Then I I think another exciting one is going to be when Arkansas gets to come to Georgia. That is one good thing about that that I talked about. Could be a sneaky game out of the West this year. I do think that Georgia stands a good chance to win that, especially it being at home there on October 2nd. Uh, but that's, that's again, just an exciting game that I think is going to come up uh, and could turn out to be a much better game than we anticipate. Obviously going to Auburn that following week, October the 9th, that I think is going to be a big one. And then the largest outdoor cocktail party every season, we think it's an exciting game. Last year was no exception, and this year is not going to be any different. That one's on October 30th there, and I'm looking forward to that one just because I'm looking for that to be a revenge game more than anything. So that is pretty much going to wrap it up for what I have for you guys this evening. Again, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, I will try to get back with you guys just as soon as I can get back with you guys. Um, whether it's the start of next week, whether it's midweek, later in the week, I'm not sure exactly how I want to line everything up just yet. Uh, but anyways, again, you guys go follow me on Twitter, at DogTalk20. I'm going to try to put up that video for us later. Like, subscribe, review, everything. We'll get to the video once the season starts. I appreciate you guys listening again. Go dogs. Go dogs.